The Big 12 was all about the underdog in the last week of Big 12 football. Of course, I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. Week 6 is in the books, and yes, it was all about the underdog. Welcome in. If you're on YouTube, do me a solid hit the thumbs up. And on the podcast, leave a rating, review, subscribe, and you get that free Heartland College Sports koozie. I want to thank you, by the way. Because we crossed the 700 ratings threshold on iTunes. So thank you for that. Uh, Next goal, what do you say you help us get to 750? Hit that five-star rating. Helps us tremendously on the show. So let's start off with the fact that this week was all about the underdog. Every team that won this week was at one point an underdog in their game. Kansas State blew it against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was a double-digit dog. Oklahoma was an underdog against Texas. Of course, OU won. Go down the list. Kansas was an underdog against UCF by kickoff because Plumlee had returned a quarterback for the night, so that moved the line in favor of UCF by kickoff, right? And then when you look at the two night games, Texas Tech opened up as an underdog against Baylor. Eventually, Tech was favored in that game by the end of the week. And TCU was nearly a touchdown favorite against Iowa State, and Iowa State blew them out by 13 points. So this is such a classic Big 12 weekend because the five teams that won were at one point an underdog going into the game. That's incredible. Where else are you going to have that kind of parity other than the Big 12. You can't predict this league. So it was an incredible weekend of football. I will say that our picks went 2-1 and this week. My my underdog was Oklahoma, plus 6.5. My lock of the week was Texas Tech, minus 1. And then the one I lost, I said avoid Kansas, minus 2. And obviously, that went very well for the Jayhawks. So 2-1 and in the picks. I'll take that every single week. Um, And we're rolling right along on Heartland College Sports. So Let's start with the fact that Oklahoma beat Texas in an incredible Red River shootout. Red River rivalry, whatever you like to call it, it was an incredible game. And before we get to the game itself, let me just say that, you know, I know that OU and Texas fans have been giving me a hard time. You guys, if you're watching on YouTube, you see the signs over here and over here, you know, upside down, ha ha ha, horns down, Oklahoma signs flipped as well. I'm going to miss this game so much. And yes, I'm going to miss you guys too. Just know that it's not personal. It's just business, right? But I always said all season long, and a lot of other Big 12 fans got mad at me for this, but I said we're going to cover OU in Texas. We're going to do it fairly. Yes, I'm still going to be annoyed, kind of like a jilted ex-lover that they're leaving us. I think if you're an OU in Texas fan, you should understand that. But understand, I had so much joy watching that game on Saturday, and I was genuinely sad that it's going away as a Big 12 game. This this game has been such a staple in this league for nearly 30 years, and it's going to continue. We know that. It's just going to be an SEC game, and for those of us that are Big 12 fans, um, that was disappointing, right, to know that this game is not going to be one of ours anymore. As I've said a million times, I get why you guys are leaving, I understand it. I don't have to like it, and I hope you understand why I don't like it, but I understand it. But I was like, gosh, every year, I mean, outside of the 49-0 game last year, 
every year it feels like this game is coming down to a play here or a play there. It's just always wild. It's always fun. It's, to me, the greatest scene in college football, bar none. And it's not a Big 12 game now. After yesterday, it's not a Big 12 game. And that, that did upset me, uh, just you know, being a Big 12 guy. But such as life in college football, things move on and they advance and they you know, change very quickly, especially over the last 15 years or so. So that's where we are. Now, as for the game itself, Dylan Gabriel, to me, launched himself into serious Heisman contention, especially with the night Caleb Williams had. He didn't have a great night. They barely beat Arizona in three overtimes. Dylan Gabriel had his moment on that final drive. That's how good he was. And here was a Texas defense that everybody was crowing about. But what did I say going into the game? You know, I, I said going into this game, one of the questions I had about the Texas defense was the fact that, yes, they've looked really good, but they've been lucky to play a lot of backup quarterbacks. They played Wyoming's backup quarterback. They played Baylor's backup quarterback. And they played Kansas's backup quarterback last week. Sawyer Robertson and Jason Bean the last two weeks. So I didn't know if this Texas defense was really as good as it had looked because of who they played and the fact that they got lucky playing backup quarterbacks the last couple of weeks. But now you go up against a guy like Dylan Gabriel, who was doing it you know, um, effectively on the ground when he needed to, through the air. I mean, he was just absolutely on fire in this game. And it was such a joy to watch him because you were just having fun. First off, as a left-handed person, I liked the guy. You know, I just, boom, man, I love seeing, I was a Steve Young guy as a kid. I love seeing Dylan Gabriel slinging around, but he's got a great story too. He's such an easy guy to like. And that was the thing for me that really just continued to solidify what I think this OU team can be. And after this game, you have to say, and frankly, after the weekend, that this is Oklahoma's Big 12 to lose. I mean, they just beat Texas, who we think is or was the best team in the Big 12 after they had beaten Alabama. But guess what? OU's also got the defense humming along here. I mean, OU had five sacks and 10 tackles for loss against a Texas offensive line that we thought was one of the best in the country. OU was all over that field. So it was, I mean, so much fun to watch. And I know that, you know, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're watching these games and you're like, we told you, we told you, we told you. Okay, a lot of you did tell me. But you got to understand, I wanted to see it against Texas. And if they had lost this game 30-27, to 27, I would have felt the same way, right? Because we're talking about a play here, a play there changes this game. And as you're watching this game, I mean, throughout it, it is heavyweight fight. I mean, it is blow for blow. It was just outstanding entertainment. It was great college football. And Oklahoma um, ends up on top. So uh, what a game. Uh, what a final last hurrah for these two teams playing as Big 12 teams, of course. That's going to change. We all know that. They're going to continue on with this series as they should. Uh, but it was just that good. Now, for me... Um, as of this conversation, I don't know where OU is going to be ranked, but college football is a mishmash right now. OU should easily be a top five team in my, in my book. I don't think it's close. You get a win like that in that environment, um, Brent Venables is rolling. And how about, I posted this on our Twitter X account. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Last year after OU got smoked 49 nothing, 
Colin Cowherd went on his show on Fox and said, the Sooners should move on from Brent Venables and hire Matt Rule. Like, Colin Cowherd says a lot of dumb things, and that was right out there with the dumbest of them. I know that everybody wants to be a shock jock these days, and you got to say insanely stupid things to get attention. But that I remember seeing that clip and saying, what? One loss in the first season. Yes, it was a horrible loss. But one loss in your first season as a head coach for a guy with his track record, and you're saying move on and hire Matt Rule. It's on our Twitter page. Old Takes Exposed shared it today on Sunday. So it's getting a lot of traction. Go check it out. Share it as well because, gosh, that was one of the dumbest things ever. And, uh, yeah, Brent Venable certainly getting that last laugh. So Oklahoma, congratulations. What an absolutely outstanding win. Meantime, we look at the other top stories and top games. Um, I mean, there was a lot to talk about, but to me, one of the top storylines after the OU Texas game was Oklahoma State. Classic Mike Gundy. Everyone's counting him out. It's Friday. It's a blackout game. People are like, this is going to be, you know, the final nail in the coffin for the Oklahoma State football season. Kansas State's the reigning Big 12 champs. They're going to push them around in the trenches. They got no chance. And what does Oklahoma State do? A little bit of defense here. Guys like Cameron Epps stepping up. You get the run game going with Ollie Gordon. Alan Bowman does enough at quarterback. And the Cowboys, as double-digit underdogs, pull off a 29-21 win. I, I mean, and then you got Mike Gundy doing handstands in the locker room after the game. I, that's just the kind of classic Mike Gundy game that he wins that everyone thinks he's going to lose. And I'm guilty as charged. Uh I didn't see this coming. I should have. I've been following Mike Gundy for not his entire career, but for the better part of 10 to 15 years. And I'm like, this is classic Mike Gundy. He's at home. Everyone's counting him out. And it's not necessarily pretty, but he wins a game. He, you know, was expected to lose by almost two touchdowns. And that's exactly what you saw. Now, it does make you wonder why they didn't just go with Alan Bowman week one and stick with that and let Alan Bowman develop if you thought he was the guy who was going to be able to lead this team throughout the season, right? I mean, why it took this long to settle on Alan Bowman, I still don't quite understand, but neither here nor there. Um, Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys get a win on a Friday night, get used to these Friday night games, as I've been saying for a long time. I guarantee you they're going to continue in some capacity. And Ollie Gordon had himself a great night. He is quickly becoming one of the best backs in the Big 12, 21 carries, 136 yards, and a score. And on top of that, you know, Oklahoma State's defense was very impressive. Three interceptions on the night against Will Howard. And I don't know what's going on with Will Howard, but Will Howard does not look like the guy from last year. This is not the dude who led K-State to a Big 12 championship and who got better as the year went on. I don't know if defenses are figuring him out, but Will Howard has regressed. This looks more like Will Howard from two years ago. Not the Will Howard from last year, who people thought, gosh, if Will Howard keeps progressing like this, maybe you know he's a top half of the NFL draft kind of a guy. But I don't know what's going on with Will Howard. I mean, that that is one of the more perplexing things of the Big 12 season thus far. So I don't quite understand it, but man, I am just shocked as any at Kansas State's performance in that game. 
Uh, they just looked flat top to bottom. And frankly, uh, you know, the running game really, I know you're going to look at the box score and say, oh, Will Howard rushed for 100 plus yards. Running game didn't feel like it got going like it should have against an Oklahoma State defense that has really struggled so far this year. Um, everything about this game just didn't make any sense to me. But Oklahoma State now sits there, um, you know, in a decent position. They're three and two overall, one and one in conference play, same record as K State. And if you told me that two weeks ago, I would have said, what the heck happened here? So unbelievable stuff. I, I just, I could not predict that one for the life of me. Now, uh, you look at the other two games. So all three games we got to touch on here in the Big 12. Let's go to Kansas-UCF. There's not a lot to say there outside of the fact that the new four Big 12 schools continue to struggle. And I say this not to give the four new schools a hard time, but more so to point this out. For the people who claim in SEC and Big 12 country, SEC and Big 10 country, I should say, for those who claim that the Big 12 is basically a group of five league or the AAC and the Big 12 are kind of one and the same. This is proof that it's not, right? UCF, Houston, Cincinnati have yet to win a game in this league. We are approaching mid-October and they don't have a single win in the Big 12. BYU's got one and it's against one of those three schools. So if you don't think there's a gap from the AAC to the Big 12, you're not watching college football like you claim to be. You're just spouting talking points that make some people happy and confirm some biases that exist, but you're not watching the games. Kansas dominated UCF 51-22. to I mean, it wasn't even close. Kansas rushed for 399 yards. I, I told you that both teams are going to try to move this ball on the ground. They both had very good rushing offenses, but man... I didn't see a 400-yard ground game from Kansas in this one. That I did not expect. And that's exactly what KU did. I mean, they dominated this thing with Devin Neal, Daniel Hyshaw. They were all over the place. And Jason Bean just kind of managed the game and did enough. And it you know, became pretty obvious and evident early on that he wasn't going to have to throw the ball much. And he didn't. 8 for 12, 91 yards and a touchdown. So he did enough. But man, Kansas just rolled this game start to finish. And UCF, it was obvious too, Plumlee was really not healthy. He maybe shouldn't have played in hindsight. Wouldn't have made a difference necessarily. But, um, you know, the spread flipped on Saturday morning, or I guess it was Friday night when the news came out that Plumlee was expected to play. And he just wasn't ready. But frankly, UCF in general wasn't ready. And now UCF, uh, this season can spiral very quickly on the nights. They have that insane blown lead, 28-point blown lead last week to Baylor. Uh, Baylor scores 29 unanswered. And then this week, they get blown up by 30 against Kansas and Lawrence. I mean, that, that it can go downhill very, very quickly for this UCF team. So that was ugly start to finish for UCF. And um, ish, there's a lot, a lot that uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on here with the Knights going forward. And for KU, I mean, I still think KU's kind of in that second tier right now in the Big 12 until somebody else proves otherwise. I think it's OU and Texas clearly at the top, but I think KU's continuing to make a strong case for being in that 3-4 range. Now, Texas did dominate them, but I'd like to see how they would play with Jalen Daniels. That being said, this Jalen Daniels back thing is really, really concerning. 
I mean, you need that guy if you want to compete near the top of the Big 12. Yes, you can beat UCF by 30, but you need Jalen Daniels back if you're KU. So got to keep an eye on that. The night games, where do we want to start? Uh, I mean, let's start with the, I mean, they were both kind of blowouts in their own way, but um, let's start with Texas Tech and Baylor. Texas Tech minus one was my lock. Baylor has now played four plus decent quarters of football six weeks into the season. Baylor stinks. There's nothing more to say. Baylor is not a good football team, and now you have players calling out players. Dave Aranda's kind of giving it to the company line, but he's not saying a whole lot. They have played four good quarters all year. They played three good quarters against Utah, and they played one-plus good quarters against UCF. That's it. They played like crap against Texas State. Yes, they beat LIU. They played like garbage in that game. They blew the fourth quarter against Utah, and they had three horrible quarters against UCF. And now, you know, they played like garbage against Texas Tech. Uh, Once again, another game that really didn't feel all that close. 17-3 at halftime, and you're off to the races. I I mean, there are just so many mistakes this team is making. I, I, you know, the defensive line, the offensive line is not anywhere close to what I thought it would be. Texas Tech had six sacks and 11 tackles for loss, and Baylor was held to 0.6 yards per carry. Baylor was awful. Texas Tech is good, but let's be honest, Tech ain't that good. Tech didn't play as good as they appeared to make themselves be on Saturday night. They just went in there and they dominated Baylor in the trenches at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it was just an absolute rout for the Red Raiders in Waco, by the way, which made it all the more worse. I mean, that has got to be tough if you're a Baylor fan. You watch your former assistant coach, Joy McGuire, come in there and steamroll your team because that's what happened. Um, it's, jeez, that is tough. Now, let me, re- hold on. I, I, I'm popping up some of the comments here on YouTube Live. Eric writes, I hate your takes about tech. It's never that tech is getting better, just that their opponents suck. Well, hold on a sec. You know, tech may be getting better, but if you're asking me to put my life on the line right now, right? And was that game about tech getting better or Baylor sucking? It was the latter. Baylor has been the biggest disappointment in the Big 12 this season, Eric. Come on, man. You know that. Baylor has been awful. And if Baylor didn't have one of the greatest comebacks in Big 12 history last week, I mean, this isn't even a question. I do think Texas Tech is better. Now, I had Texas Tech, and no one can call me a tech hater. I had Tech in a Big 12 championship game this year. I, I, I Literally, I had them go into Jerry World. So I'm not a tech hater by any stretch. I'm just saying, as, as I look at the game on Saturday night, it is much more about what Baylor is incapable of doing than I did learning about how good Texas Tech can be. Beating Houston last week, which, by the way, was a game in the first half, um, is not impressive because I think Houston's one of the worst teams in the Big 12, and Baylor may end up being one of the worst teams in the Big 12 too. When we're going to learn something about Texas Tech is this weekend against Kansas State. That's when we learn something about Texas Tech, because that's going to tell us. Now, Kansas State just had a brutal loss to Oklahoma State. 
Texas Tech and Kansas State are two teams that when the season began thought that they could reach a Big 12 championship. I don't want to call this an elimination game in the Big 12 because it's such a topsy-turvy league, but it certainly feels like one. This is the game where we are going to learn what exactly Texas Tech is and if they have made improvements from early in the season. I like Baron Morton. You know, I, I, I do like him as a quarterback, but he's got to show it to me now against improved competition. And Taj Brooks has been really good. So, I mean, he had a great game, of course, on Saturday night. But once again, that defense for Baylor has just been weak all season long. So let's just see, man. I'm all about pumping up Texas Tech. I want Texas Tech to be competing at the top of the Big 12. I just got to see a little more than what I've seen the last couple of weeks. That's all. And the last game, but certainly not least of the night, is um, Iowa State as a touchdown underdog rolling over TCU at home. Wow. Woof. By the way, can we call Matt Campbell off the hot seat now? Any clowns out there who think Matt Campbell should be in the hot seat? Are we good taking him off? I, I say this tongue-in-cheek because it's ridiculous that anybody would ever talk about Matt Campbell as being on a hot seat, but such is life. Um, what you're seeing from Iowa State is the next wave. The new group, the young guys coming together, making their presence felt, and developing continuity, developing uh, camaraderie, getting the confidence to play at this level, whether it's quarterback Rocco Beck, the running game with Eli Samuel, Eli Sanders and Abu Sama, um, the defense, guys like Malik Verdon. I mean, these are all underclassmen who are making a major presence in a Big 12 game against a team that I know it's a much different team, but a team that was playing for a national championship one year ago. And that's what I saw on Saturday night. I saw a team that continues to get better and, by the way, is making special teams plays. My goodness, who saw that coming? You can look at a couple of games now this year where Iowa State's special teams playing a major role. I mean, that is big-time stuff. Who would have predicted that? Now, TCU is a mess right now. Chandler Morris doesn't finish the game. Josh Hoover doesn't look really all that good. Imani Bailey remains a bright spot, but uh, TCU's season could also unravel here very quickly. Iowa State, though, is 3-3 three and three and 2-1 and one in Big 12 play. I mean, can we not forget that? I know they've had some bad losses. The Ohio loss was bad. The second half against OU stunk. But I, you know, Matt Campbell, with a lot of underclassmen, is probably going to get to a bowl game and is 2-1 and one in Big 12 play right now. I, like, that's Iowa State football. Everybody should be very happy with where this program is, especially when you factor in the offseason gambling nonsense Everything um, is pretty much where you want it to be. So just pump the brakes on the Matt Campbell stuff. But TCU's got to get it figured out, man. I mean, at one point, TCU had, I think, six yards in the third quarter. That's a second straight week where TCU's coming at a halftime and is just stinking up the joint. They were terrible in the third quarter last week against um, West Virginia. They had one yard in the third quarter. They were shut out in the second half. And basically the same thing happened on Saturday night in Ames. Now they scored a touchdown, but they were not moving the ball at all coming out of halftime. That's on the coaching staff. Sonny Dykes, Kendall Bryles, they have got to make the halftime adjustments. They didn't make them the last two weeks, and then they lost both games and got manhandled in both second halves. Iowa State dominated that third quarter against TCU, and the game was basically over by then. So there is um, a lot 
to like about Iowa State coming out of that game. But here's the thing about the Big 12. This is going to be so week to week. I would not look at this league and say, well, Iowa State looked good this week. That's going to carry over. TCU looked like garbage. That's going to carry over. There's going to be a lot of mediocrity in this conference this year. A lot of it. I think we are headed for a, a, a you know kind of situation where teams four through 11 or 12 might all be somewhere between five and four and four and five in league play. I, I'm just, that would not shock me one bit because look at how this week played out. The underdogs all won, or I should say teams who were underdogs at some point during the week all won. That's how crazy it was. Donald asks, how about Texas Tech soccer being undefeated in Big 12 play? Hey, Don, that's going to have to wait for the episode that comes never, okay? (laughs) Sorry, buddy. (laughs) Oh, gosh. A lot of West Virginia fans jumping in, getting ready for Thursday against Houston. Don't worry, my man. We'll get you all set for that game. It is going to be a great one to watch, to follow, as we roll through what is going to be another awesome Week 7 in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us. Hey, YouTube fans. Could you do me a solid hit the thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel as well. And then, of course, if you're on uh, Facebook, share the video and our podcasters, you know what to do. Leave a rating, review, subscribe. We crossed the 700 rating mark. We want to get to 750 now. Just hit the five star. It'll take you a a, a second. And if you want to leave that review, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O. We'll get you hooked up with the free Heartland College Sports Koozie. Have a great day. It was another awesome weekend of... um, Big 12 football, and we'll be talking to you soon on Heartland College Sports. Join the free forums. Find our other podcasts as well. Just searching Heartland College Sports, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of the day. See you later.